Last week, I don't know, quite a lot of you were here last week. So good to see so many people returning again this week. Lovely to have you here. Last week, we saw Pastor Randy sharing the vision for the church. And the theme for, for us, for the season, is, is actually looking at times and seasons. We're looking at the times and seasons. And, um, and that word kairos that, that Pastor Andy was talking about. Um, and that we are, we, are, we are here for such a time as this. For such a time as this. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 1 says, To everything. Well done, Alice. Do everything. Come on, come on. You see? See? Her first time on there. Look at that. Oh, there it is already. To everything there is a season. There is a time to every purpose under heaven. And we're looking at times and seasons. We, um, if you heard Pastor Andy last week, he was explaining, we, we, we measure time in, uh, what do we call it? Uh, chronos, which is where we get the word chronicle from. In chronicle, days, weeks, months, years, etc. But there's another word, another way of measuring time, and it's in God's perspective, and it's that word uh, kairos, kairos, K-A-I-R-O-S. And it's, it's another Greek word that's used for for to, to describe time and seasons, but it's talking about an appointed time, an appropriate and appointed time by God. And so we are, going to, we are digging in for the next couple of weeks. We're going to be looking at this, this, this theme and this, on, on, on that for such a time as this, for such a kairo, for such a God moment as this. Are you checking with us out of the timer? <laughs> she is, hey? I never do that to you. Okay. So... So we're looking at this. Galatians 4.4, 4, for an example. Galatians 4.4 4 says, But when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth a son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law. When the fullness of time, that kairos moment. But, and I tell you what, I was just reading the scripture this morning, I thought, wow, we're just putting it up to, to show what kairos, an example of kairos. But what an incredible scripture. At the appropriate time, God sent forth his son to redeem those under the law, to redeem you and I. I tell you, the grace of God, oh, come on, church, we have got to, we have got to get from living for God as a concept or a, or a belief to, to, as Pastor Andy said, the actuality of God. No, the presence of God in our lives on a daily basis. Oh, we need to know God's presence, church. We need to know the presence of God. He is not just a concept. He's not just a belief. God is real. God is among us. God is in you and with you. Come on, man. So we're looking at these kairos moments, these times and seasons in God's agenda, in God's history, history, his story. It's God's story. History is God's story. And we can look back in history. We can see the events that have unfolded and those times when God has moved on the earth. We can see, you know, the Reformation, Reformation rather, Martin Luther in 1517 and the Welsh Revival in 1904 that, that impacted nations, not just Wales, but it, it spread to nations. We look at Azusa Street outpouring. 1906, the start of the Pentecostal movement. I mean, there is just so many we could look at where, where, where we can see these God moments in history, where God has touched the world, where God is, oh, it's like that picture where God's finger just comes down and just touches the earth and everything changes. Everything changes. Nothing is the same ever again. And we are in a God moment. We are in a coming up to another God moment. It has started already. We are in it. Do we know? Do we know where we are in God's timetable? And, and another thought is, does it matter? Does it matter where we are in God's timetable? Do we know where we are in God's agenda on the earth? And so today, I want to look at knowing the time, knowing the time we're in. 
1 Chronicles 12, verse 32. It's one of these scriptures that, that there's just, it's just one verse, and it talks about these guys, and we just know them as the sons of Issachar. The sons of Issachar. And it says that they had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Their chiefs were 200, and all their brethren were at their command. Now, this is on the backdrop of King Saul has died, and King David is, 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 is anointed to become king. And there's a time where there's a need, a desperate need for great unity among Israel, for all those that had supported Saul and all those that had supported David to stop warring and to come together and to, and to bring together, to unite the nation. And here we see these men, these sons of Issachar, amongst all tens and hundreds of thousands of men throughout Israel who, it says, were, were skilled in battle and they knew how to, to fight and, and they were mighty men of valor. But here we get these, these sons of Issachar who are singled out. I tell you what, God doesn't overlook your labor of love. You, you, your life matters to God. I'm telling you, God, yes, God loves the hundreds of thousands and the, and the men that have prepared themselves and go to war and do what's needed. But God sees each individual. God works with individuals. And here we see these sons of Issachar who knew and understood the times and what they should do. So to answer my own question, does it matter that we understand what season we're in? Yes, it does. It does. Because without understanding the season they were in, they would not have done what they needed to do. They wouldn't have been able to do what they needed to do. And furthermore, it doesn't just say that they knew what they needed to do. Actually, can we put that back up? It says that they knew what Israel needed to do. They knew what the nation needed to do, but they saw their part to play within that. Hebrews 12, 12, verse 1. The Bible says, can we get to Hebrews 12.1? Yeah, we had it. Hebrews 12.1. Put it back up. Yeah. Therefore, we also, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and every sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. There is a race that is set before each and every one of us. We need to see the importance of our individual effort in this race. This isn't just a race for everybody else where we get to sit on the sidelines. This is is a team event where we all have to take our place. We all have a part to play, but we have to play our part. We have to be like the sons of Issachar who recognize the need of the nation to come together. I tell you, there is such a need for the church to come together. There is such division with people thinking they can go off and worship in a field and they don't need the church. And Listen, you can worship God anywhere, anytime. Go for it. Don't hold back. I encourage you to do it. But we need to come together as the church in unity with the putting the things of Christ first and not the things of self. Jesus first, the kingdom first. We have a part to play. We have a part to play. We need to understand that the times that we live in, the Bible, we'll get into it now, the Bible says there are perilous times. We are living in the last days. If ever we were, we most certainly are now. There, church, there are people. There are people, real human people, one head, two eyes, one nose, now, just like you and I. People on the other side of our faithfulness. People on the other side of our faithfulness. Real human beings on the other side of our yes. And on the other side of our no as well. Because if we don't do it, what's going to happen to them? 
Who's going to, you know, how will they know unless they sent, unless they hear the gospel? And how are they going to hear unless somebody is sent? Being sent is enough. It's having to say, yes, I'll go, and actually doing it. It's great to pray, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth. That's a good prayer. It's a better one to pray, Lord, your kingdom come and your will be done in my life. That's better. But it's not an opportunity to sit back and say, well, now, que sera, sera, Doris Day and me. We know the future's not ours, you see. We're just going to leave it to God now. No, there's a responsibility on us to say yes and amen with our feet, with our hands, with our mouth, to be the body of Christ on earth. Come on, man. It really is. It is. We, there are people on the other side of our faithfulness, on the other side of our yes. So where are we now in God's agenda and timetable? Matthew 12, 3 to 14, and read this at home. Matthew, in fact, Matthew, what did I say? Matthew 24, right? Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, really, two really good chapters to go and read. And I'm just going to touch on a few verses from, from, verse, from chapter 23. And if we can just go down to, to verse 6 um, or thereabouts, go on to the next page. Um, chapter 23 and verse 6, if we could just... Huh? My apologies, Matthew 24. Do I keep saying 23? <laughs> Okay, Matthew 24, verse 6. Just listen to this. I'm just going to pick out some of the things that Jesus describes when he's telling the disciples these, these will be the signs of the end times. And he says, you're going to hear wars and rumors of wars. Verse 7, he says, nation will rise against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in various places. These are the beginnings of sorrow. And they'll deliver you up to tribulation and kill you, and you will be hated by all nations for my name's sake. Listen to verse 10. And then many will be offended. I think he's talking to the church here. Because at the start of it, he tells them actually, many are going to say, say I'm the Christ. So it's for the followers of Christ that are at risk here. And he's talking to the church and says, many will be offended. will betray one another. will hate one another. And many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Does this sound familiar to anything we're going through, anything we're seeing in the world? I mean, come on. Is this not a, a snapshot of where we are in the world today? 2 Timothy 3, 1 to 5, in case we didn't get it, says, but know that, know this, that in the last days perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure, rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power from such people, turn away. Come on, if this isn't a picture, if this isn't a Kodak moment of where we are in history at the moment, then I don't know what is. We are living in the midst of these times. So it is clear to see the hour that we live in. I think it's clear. The hour that we live in, I don't think it can be un, unmistakable. But we, we need to grasp the urgency of the hour. You know, we can see it, but do we grasp the urgency of the hour to reach and save the lost? Because eternity is a long, long time. And just as it was in the days of Noah, there came a day when people were mocking and calling him crazy old Noah. What's rain? We've never seen rain before. What's a flood? We've never known. We don't know what a flood is. Why are you making this thing? But the day came when that door was shut and nobody could get in. There's coming a day when the door is going to close. 
and we need to do what we can, not what we can't, but what we can, with the power of God, the super and our natural. Come on, we can see the supernatural. We can see people saved. We can see heaven filled and hell emptied. Come on. We need to be the voice of God on the earth, the hands and feet for him, cooperating. So, three things that I thought we ought to do. I know Sandy will love this because she loves her Pentecostal iterations, right? We need preparation, production, and perseverance. How do you like that, Sandy? Three Ps, okay. And the first one, actually, is your double P, personal preparation. Personal preparation. Amos 3.7 says, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals his secret to his servants, the prophets. Surely the Lord does nothing. And you can say, but first reveals it to his servants, the prophets. Now, this is, this is, this is Old Testament office prophet, Amos Old Testament, right? But look at Joel 2, 28 and 29. It says, and it shall come to pass afterwards, this is God speaking, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. You don't have to stand in the office of prophet. We're not Old Testament. No, I don't want to see any Elijahs and, and, and you know, doing crazy stuff here, right? killing bulls and stuff, okay? We, your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Why? Because God will pour out His Spirit on all flesh. Your young men shall dream dreams. Come on, how many of us young men are still dreaming dreams? Amen, Andrew. You and me both, brother. <laughs> oh, the old men. You see, I always get that wrong. Oh, okay, the old men shall dream dreams, so darn. Maybe that's a, maybe it's an indication of our age, Andrew. All right, old men shall dream dreams. The young men shall see visions. But you know what? Your maidservants and your men servants, I'll pour out my spirit in those days. You know, this, this is the scripture on the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit, when they were all in the upper room and the Spirit of God came in and there was a sound of a mighty rushing wind and a flame came and sat on top of each one and the room was shaken and they went out and they were speaking in tongues and prophesying and everybody said, what is with these guys? They are drunk. And this is where Peter stood up that day. And he says, men of Israel, listen to me. He said, these men aren't drunk as you suppose, but this is that which was prophesied by the prophet Joel. Come on, and he quotes the scripture. It shall come to pass. He says, this is that. This is that. Church, we live in what we know as the dispensation, the kairos moment, if you will, of the Holy Spirit. God the Father, Old Testament, Jesus the Gospels, Holy Spirit, New Testament. When the Holy Spirit goes, man, we go. That is it. The doors are shut. It's over. But right now, we are in the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. And he has come to indwell us. He has come to fulfill the scripture that is written here that Peter stood up on the day of Pentecost and explained to the people. So church, it's time to get our spiritual antenna up. Get your spiritual antenna up. You know, tune in. What is God saying to me? We don't get weird. We don't get freaky. But come on. God will speak to you in that still small voice. He will speak to you in many ways. Get your spiritual antenna up. You have the spirit of the living God indwelling you if you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. He's inside. Not something we feel. It's just that knowing. You just know it in your knower. You get that unction. You get that leading. You get mm, that check. That's wrong. Don't do that. It's like bathing with your socks on. You can do it, but it's not right. You know? You just know, uh uh-uh, don't go that way. This is the way to go. This is the way. Walk in it. You hear that still, small voice? Come on. Get our spiritual satellite navigation working. 
You know, with a, with a natural sat-nav. Oh, I love sat-navs. Aren't they awesome? When we first arrived here, right, when was it, 98? We were in Essex, and, we, and, and the job wasn't working out. I got a contract in Edinburgh. And so we packed our little two-door mini Nova. What was it? Vauxhall Nova. Nova, two-door. And we just packed it to the brim with our, our black bags filled with our clothes in the back seat, took our map book, and we said, okay, we're going to Scotland. And the neighbor said, are you going up the N1? Or the, what did he say? And we said, where, where is the M1? We don't know. <laughs> we, did, we had no sat-nav. We had to follow by map. It was exciting days in those days. But nowadays, we have sat-navs, and they're awesome. I love it. I love driving Sandy's car because she's got this nice big sat-nav. Oh, she's got the new car, and she's got the big sat-nav on the screen. But two things that a sat-nav needs in order to get you to your destination, two things. It needs to know where you're going to, yeah, where you're going. It also needs to know where you are. Where are you now? And the question is this, where are you? Where are you now? You know, where am I? We, we all need our, our Jacob moments. At the Last Supper, you can read it in John 14, John 14, 15. Jesus, speaks, Jesus is having the Last Supper of the disciples, and, and he says to them, he says, you know what, um, listen, the, the ruler of this world is coming, but he's got nothing in me. Church, there's not a single one of us here who can stand up and say, He's got nothing in me. I see so much wrong in me. So I've been saved for 30 years, and yet still there is stuff that is just not right in me. You know what? We, we're getting a water softener put in at our house um, because the water is really hard here in, in this part of the world. So we're getting this water softener come put in. Looking forward to it. It's going to be much better on the dishes, much better on my poor delicate little skin. Everyone say, oh, poor Chris. Yeah, so shame. Poor me, right? <laughs> but we're getting a water softener put in. But one thing we've been warned is don't expect a miracle result straight away. Why? Because the house we're living in is old. It's been there for some time. So we're going to put this lovely softened water through the pipes, and we're going to benefit from this nice softened water. But the pipes are the problem. Right? You, you, you see where I'm going with this, right? Same as our lives. We, get, we, get, we, we, we are born again. The Spirit of God lives in us. He speaks to us. But we've got these old ways in us where, where we're still corroded from, from like those old pipes that, that are still, they've still got the, the residue of, of, of the calcium buildup from the old hard water. And so even though I'm running nice fresh water through it, still all this bad stuff's getting pulled through with it. Church, we have got to understand that just because we are saved, we are not yet perfect, and the enemy will find our Achilles heel. Just when you don't want him to, just when you need to be running strong and running hard, he'll put a pebble in your shoe, whatever it takes, to slow you down, to throw you off course. We need to understand our weaknesses. Yes, know who we are in Christ. Amen. That is so important. Recognize every good thing that is in you. So important. But also, we need to be aware of our, of our weaknesses. We need our Jacob moment where we wrestle with God and allow him to, 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 to show us, to allow us to help us to be vulnerable before him, naked and vulnerable with the truth. There's, there's nothing hidden. You know, the first thing, what did the first thing Adam and Eve do when they sinned? They went and they made fig leaves to hide behind. I don't want to be naked. We don't want to be naked. We don't want to be vulnerable for God. And it's just a trust problem. Just like that water that needs to be softened. We need to be softened. We need, we need to be softened by trust. We need to know that God is for us, not against us. He's on our side. And he knows everything. Listen, God doesn't find out about what we did wrong when we confess it. He knew at the moment we did it. He knew 
when we were thinking of it, before we even did it. We need to come to this place of, of, of trusting God, of being vulnerable. So where are you? Where are you? Church, it is time. The Bible, Hosea, Hosea spoke on this. He said, it's time to break up the fallow ground. It's time to break. You know, ground that was once good, once fertile, can become trumped down over time. Mm? Things happen in time, and things can wear you down, and disappointments, and it can trample that ground hard. So there's no, there's no aeration left in it. There's no life left in that soil. It's just hardened soil. And as Hosea says, break up that fellow ground. Come on, let's, let's get in there. Let's spend time with God. Let's mean business with God and with ourselves. And let's break up that fellow ground. Till it up. Get it aerated. Get some air into it. Put some fertilizer in it. Feed it. Enrich that soil. It is time to break up the fellow ground and become softened. You know, when rain falls on that hardened soil, it just runs right off. But on soil that is soft, that soil can absorb the rain. We need to be able to absorb the rain of the Holy Spirit. So, where are you? And where are you going? Do you know what? I can, I can tell each and every one of you in here today exactly where you're going. Guarantee I can. You're going in the direction of your affection. You're going towards what you value most. The direction of your life is based on what you value most. Each and every one of us. Jesus said where your treasure is, there your heart is also. And where your heart is, that's the direction of travel you're going to go in. So, Psalm 37, though, what do we do? Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. But church, this isn't a religion. It's not a behavior modification. It's not we have to do this and do's and don'ts. It's about growing in our confidence in God, knowing that he loves you, becoming assured that he is for you and not against you. And that he is the one that's helping you. He's not the one pointing out your failures to you to, to condemn you. But to, when he does, it's to help you. Jesus spoke of this. He said, we, you know, for new wine, you need new wineskins. And there is a thing that we believe, oh, I really believe, that God is about to move. In fact, God is moving in the earth again. Before, before that door shuts, there is going to be a great outpouring of God. There's going to be a great outpouring of the Spirit. I know Pastor Annie's been believing this for, for some time now. But when is that Kairos moment? When is that actual, you know, we look at things in chronological time, you know, days, weeks, months. But God has a, an appointed time. God has an appointed time. So we are just waiting and preparing ourselves for that time because when it does come, if, we're not, if our hearts aren't in the right place, we can miss it. We can be offended. Do you know what? I, I, we've been in a, not quite, but very close place to this as well. I remember taking a friend to the Heaven Church before we left uh, and, and came to plant here. And um, he was in a bad state of, spiritually, and he came to church with us. And after the service, I could see during the service, he wasn't enjoying it. He wasn't enjoying the praise and worship. And we were concerned, we were, just, we were just praying quietly for him while during the worship. And afterwards he said, it was all I could do to stop from running out. I just wanted to get out of there. He said, the one thing I did not want to hear was other people rejoicing and praising God. All I want to do is just get alone and nurse my, my, my hurt and my problems. He didn't, you know what? The condition of the heart is so important. We have got to get our hearts soft. We have got to prepare ourselves, get our hearts ready. So when that outpouring of comes, that we are ready, we, can, we have that elasticity to be able to grow. Jesus said, when you put new wine, when you've got new wine, you have to put it into a new wineskin because that new wine will expand. It'll, it'll need 
to be in a container that has some elasticity in it. Now, we are, we are natural people with human hearts, so we need our hearts to be rejuvenated. We need them to be softened so that when that outpouring comes, when, the, when these new things happens, oh, we can stretch with it. We, we, we've got some elasticity in us, and we can go with it and not become offended and not be left on the outside of watching in to this great move of God. We need to be ready, church. We need to be ready. Amen. So we could look at John 15. Um, Jesus said, you know, abiding in the vine. You know, you need to abide in me. You need to, to live in me. Draw, draw the nutrients, draw the life out of the vine. We're just branches. We're just branches. But we can bear good fruit if we abide in the vine. And you know what God said? Jesus said, by this my Father is glorified when you bear good fruit. God, God is not against you having success. God wants you to. You know what? Why does, why does Romans 8 said he has, he has um, already glorified us? Hmm? Whom, whom, he predestined, whom he foreknew, these he was also predestined. Uh, whom he predestined, these he also called. And whom he called, these he also glorified. God has glorified us already. He's glor- you know, to, to, glor- to be glorified is like, I just think of it like somebody standing up on the winner's podium and, and getting that, that, that wreath or the, whatever they give them nowadays, you know, to be honored, to be put in honor. That's what God has done for you. But can you believe it? For you. Because that's what he said, not because what I said. Go and read it. Romans 8, 32, I think. Go and read it for yourself. Go and read Romans 8. God has glorified you. He's put you up. He's placed you in a position of honor. Because God is not glorified when his children go around saying, I'm a worthless worm. I'm good for nothing. Who is going to be attracted to Jesus? Listen, Jesus is the sun, right? But we are meant to be the moon. The moon doesn't have any, any, any light of itself, but it reflects the light of the sun, and that's what we are meant to do. We are meant to reflect the life and the goodness and the power and the wonders of God. Reflect it, not try to take the glory for ourselves, but to reflect it, Ref- be a reflection of God. Stand up as his sons and daughters. Hey, come on, come on, we are, man. So acknowledge every good thing that is inside of you. Acknowledge every good thing that is inside of you. Meet with Jesus on a daily basis. It's that consistency that is so important. Consistency. Anybody that works out, not me, you can tell, unfortunately, at the moment. At the moment, this is just a, you know, it's a temporary thing. But you know what? It's consistency that matters. Hey? Get alone with God on a daily basis. Read your Bible. Draw, draw. Come on, draw from Jesus. He's there to empower you, there to encourage you, there to build you up. He's on your side. Come on. You know what? Just like sat-nav, you know, it, it can lose its, it can, we can lose signal sometimes. It can, sometimes the maps aren't updated. All of us, all of us can get to a place where we lose the signal, where, where the maps haven't been, where we're trying to live on yesterday's manner. We can't live on yesterday's revelation. We can't live on what we did last week. We need fresh manner. Father, give us this day our daily bread. Today is the day of salvation. Come on, we need to be drawing near to God. We need to allow Him to refresh us, to soften us. Oh, this, 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 this word soften is just the thing of my head. Really it is, my heart. We just need to be trusting God. Not, not trusting fools that just blindly accept any, anybody that phones us and tries to sell us some insurance or something, but trust God. Know that God is for us.
Amen. So, spend time with God. He, the Holy Spirit, Jesus promised that the Holy Spirit will show you things to come. He will show you things to come. You know, just like that sat-nav on an unfamiliar road. I love it because it could show you, especially when there's like, uh, what do you call it, bends in the road and a sharp curve or something coming up in the road when you're on familiar territory. Holy Spirit will warn you. He'll give you that nudge. He'll give you that. And it's not a crystal ball. It's not a crystal ball. We will always have to walk by faith. The just shall live by faith. And we take God's word, and it says that it's a, his word is a, is a lamp to our feet. It's a light to our path. But it's, it talks about a feet. It talks about taking steps. So we take steps of faith. But nevertheless, the Holy Spirit, we take the word of God and the Holy Spirit, and he enlightens our path. Come on. I think you shared the scripture last week, Sandy, where, where we said that the, the, the spirit of man is the, is the candle of the Lord, enlightening all his ways. You know, that means that God, God through our spirit, God's spirit through our spirit, lightens up inside of us, and he reveals things, things that are hidden in shadows, things that we don't understand. He brings understanding to us, and he shows us things to come. But it's a spiritual, mm, it's an unction, it's a, it's a leading. I feel that. Get your spiritual antenna up. Spend time with the Lord. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, our purpose, we understand the times we are in, and we know what the need is. And our primary purpose for existence here is to reach and save the lost. You know, and I think I said earlier, the community aren't a concept. The community are not a concept. The community are people. We are trying to reach people that live in Waterlooville that don't yet know Jesus. And so that is why we're doing what we're doing. We're sowing good seed. Oh, the stuff. David and, and Alice, oh, every Friday, these guys come here. You know, oh, thank you guys for your faithfulness. I just want to say that. When these guys joined us, they, said, they, they came and spoke to Sandy and I, and they said, you know, it's really on our hearts to, to do an outreach in Waterlooville. We could give a Friday morning up, or time on a Friday, and we would like to come through on a Friday and, and represent Family Church Waterlooville. And we said, no, nah, we don't want you to. No, I'm joking. We bit their hands off, right? We, bit, we said, yes, absolutely. We, thank you so much. And you know what? Most of the time, I'm not even aware. Sandy's in contact with them, but I'm working. But most of the time, I'm not even aware that they're here. We pray for them, you know, on a, on a regular basis and stuff like that. But they just get on and do it. I'm not even aware that they're doing it. They are the, the, that is what they are doing. They are reaching out to the community, touching, just, just with trying to open up conversations with people, trying to, trying to engage people who are, who are open to conversation. They, next, next Saturday, next Saturday, the 11th, the, 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 their idea, let's, let's use Valentine's as an opportunity to talk about love. So we'll go out. I think it's awesome. Fantastic. What greater love than the love of God? Come on, let's talk about the love of God. And you know what? If, you, if, you, if, you, if, you, if you're nervous of, of, of doing an outreach, that's cool. I tell you, you know, like in, in, in workplace, in the secular workplace, they do team bonding exercises, and they'll go and do like white water rapids or something, and everyone gets, so everybody's like totally scared, but it gels the team together. So come on, let's do our own white water rapids, right? Next Saturday, the 11th of February, we're going to see all of you here, 10 o'clock, right? 9.45, actually, and we're all going to go together. We're all going to, you can all be absolutely scared and nervous, and David and Alice will show us the way, right? <laughs> it won't be nearly as bad as white water rapids, right? But far more rewarding. 
I tell you what, come on. All you need is one good conversation with one person. Oh, to see one person saved. Come on. To see, oh, what, what joy that is, man. Come on. You will, unless you've done it, you will never know the it's actually it's a rush and it shouldn't be because you know, but but it is, it's wonderful. It's the most wonderful thing. Come on, to to lead someone to Jesus. Come on, it's the best thing. And that's why we do what we do. You know, the movie nights, these these this the soft play stuff for the kids, the the papa play. It's all about just doing anything that we can possibly do with the emphasis of doing what we can and not what we can't, but the emphasis of, of, of just trying to bring a softening, trying to break down barriers, trying to be a part of the solution, to, to break down any barriers that exist in the minds of people between them and God, between them and the church. Anything we can do to soften their hearts so that when that outpouring comes, they won't be offended. When that outpouring comes, it won't fall onto hardened soil and run right off, but the soil will be soft and they'll be able to receive it. But we need to do what we can to help prepare their hearts for when that outpouring comes. Amen? And then finally, prepare to persevere. Not bad, I've got three minutes left and I'm going to use them, okay? So, <laughs> prepare to persevere. Amen, Debbie. Prepare. Galatians 6.9 Don't grow weary in doing good. For in due season, kairos, your kairos moment, and for in due season, you will reap if you faint not. And like I said earlier, it's easy to lose coverage on your sat nav from time to time. It's easy to, to live in yesterday's manner, but we can't afford to. We, can't, we will just end up going around in circles. We, have need, we need to be prepared, and we need to persevere. Matthew 25, and as I think I said at the beginning, read Matthew 24 and 25, but... Chapter 25, verse 1, Jesus speaking, he said, The kingdom of heaven shall be likened to ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Now five of them were wise and five were foolish. Those who were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. Now there was no extra oil with them. But the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. But while the bridegroom was delayed, they all slumbered and slept. Kind of where we are now. We know Jesus is returning and it's so easy to fall into slumber, so easy to just go into pause mode while we wait for his return and, and the church is slumbering and sleeping and at midnight a cry was heard, behold, the bridegroom is coming, go out to meet him. Then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. They all arose, they all heard the shout, they all arose. The foolish, the foolish, says the wise, give us some of your oil for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered and said, no, lest it should not be enough for us and for you because they brought enough for themselves. They brought to see themselves through. And they said, so there's not enough for both of us, but rather go to those who sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went with him to the wedding, and the door was shut, just like in the days of Noah. The door was shut. Afterwards, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, I do not know you. I don't know you. And he says, watch therefore, for you don't know neither day nor the hour of that kairos moment in which the Son of Man is coming. I tell you what, God is coming back. But we cannot, Jesus is coming back, thank you. Jesus is coming back. But we don't know the time or the actual chronos of it. We just know that we are in that kairos. We are, we are in those times. And it's going to happen. It's going to happen, church. And we need to be ready. And we need to have some chutzpah, some some. Some, 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 something in us that we can hold on to, you know, some, some strength inside us that, that, that we hold on, that we don't grow up, we don't grow weary. We've got to be able to, to see through to the end. 
My personal testimony, I mean, I, I, I won't go into it because you, most of you know it, but I got saved as a result of a colleague at work witnessing to me. And I didn't like this guy, I didn't like his background, I didn't like anything about him at first. And, um, but he got radically saved. And um, we, we all, everybody thought he was a nutter. He, nobody could, we would have coffee in the coffee areas at work. And nobody could clear a table as fast as him. He would come over and sit down. Everybody would get up and leave. And he was an intelligent man. He knew that people were leaving him. You know, he knew that he was being rejected. But he, the reason they did it, because he, he would, the first thing that came out of his mouth and the last thing that came out of his mouth was the Lord Jesus. All he ever did from the time he got saved was talk about Jesus. And I used to run away at first. I, I sat next to him. I couldn't get too far away. But I put my Walkman in. Mm, pardon, can't hear you. It, it didn't work. Johan Ferreira. God bless the house of Johan Ferreira because he didn't give up. Weeks and weeks. It wasn't just one week that I'd heard him preaching at me and, and sharing the gospel. It took weeks and weeks. It was probably months. I can't remember now. It was 30 years ago. But it was weeks. The poor man endured the rejection of all the colleagues around. He kept going. He didn't grow weary. But as a result, one day I was walking to my car on a Friday afternoon. I was going to go in my car home and just dropped in my spirit. I just thought, Jesus is alive. Jesus is alive. I could just see that empty tomb. I just believed it. There was nobody. I wasn't with anybody. And I went back to the office and I said, what must I do to be saved? That night, my girlfriend broke up with me. My friends left me. And I sat at my dining room table at my own in my little flat in Yeovil in Johannesburg. And I wrote out a list of pros and cons. If I give my heart to Jesus and if I don't, I kid you not. I didn't know what else to do, right? There was nobody. I wasn't in the church. And I said, Jesus, would you come out through the way? And I said, Jesus, would you save me? Would you forgive me? I, I, I didn't pray. I was 29 years old. Living away with life. But because of somebody's perseverance, he didn't give up. You don't know who's on the other side of your faithfulness, of your commitment. Church, we can't afford to give up. Another thing you can read this weekend. Okay, we're coming into a close now. We are out of time. But read the genealogy of, of, of Matthew sometimes. Look at the genealogy of Jesus, rather, in the book of Matthew. Matthew chapter 1. And you'll see that Abraham begot Isaac, and Isaac begot Jacob. And I better stop there. I'm embarrassed myself. Right, I'll forget. Read the genealogy. It's as boring as anything sometimes, right? But I want you to read it and just see that how, how God measures time in people. God measures time in people. He doesn't say that it was from this event to that event. No, no. It was Abraham. And it was Isaac. And it was Jacob. It was Liz. It was David. Come on, God measures time and people. Although we are all called to play a part, and there's this huge army, God sees you. God cares. I'm telling you, God is for you. We, but we have, we have a part to play. That's what I want to say. We've got a part to play. So let's be like David who served his generation in, in his day. This church is our moment. This is our time. We were here for such a time as this. We are to serve our generation, our time. And I'm going to close with this. Romans 13, verse 11. And do this, knowing that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, for now our salvation is nearer than when we first believed. The night is far spent, church. The day is at hand. Let us let, therefore, therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light.